Hi, and welcome to another episode of Healthy Distractions, a show with two Marvel fanboys who talk all things Marvel, except for when we don't. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. And Matt, I just want to dive right into it this week. This new solo trailer. Now, we find that Chewbacca is 190 years old. Now, does that mean he was there for the Krillian Wars of old? I know that the Legends books have now been are now non-canon, but do you think possibly there could be a separate universe that ties into this universe? Your thoughts? I hate you so much. We're talking about shared universes. We're going to talk about shared universes. <laughs> Morty. I hate you, Jeremy. I hate me too. Now, is Solo going to be a part of Infinity War? That's the bigger question. No, I see I see what you're doing here. I, I just looked at the Venn diagram. Is it part of Infinity War? No. Then, Jeremy, we don't get to talk about it. Well played, Matthew. <laughs> well, actually, we're going to take a trip back in time because I'm going to talk about something I cannot let go for the life of me, which is... DC. The DCEU to be exact. And I was thinking about it for... I don't I forget what prompted it, but... Oh, I know what prompted it. I'm always thinking about it because that's all I do. But <laughs> the question I was asking myself was, does the DCEU need to be a shared universe? And by extension, do you need to have other franchises be shared universes? Are you asking me? Just kidding. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Let's go over what shared universes are actually out there. We have the DCEU, we have the MCU, we have what was supposed to be the mummy or the monster universe. The dark universe. The dark universe. And there's one more, isn't there? Isn't there like a horror universe? No, that is the horror universe. Oh, it's a monster? Yes. Okay. Because I was reading something that said the conjuring or whatever was actually creating their own universe yeah no i mean that would be an example where because i think there's the annabelle spinoff but i think that's just more like a straightforward franchise okay so we have those three main universes that we want to basically focus on right well now. we can talk about the superhero ones but also i want to talk on briefly about why well, i'll i'll bring up now inspector for example they try to do the shared universe thing by tying the previous three films together and it just doesn't work it's really awkward and it feels completely contrived and forced I think that's like a perfect like microcosm of the larger problems I have with shared universes when done improperly. Agreed. I didn't. I wouldn't have even considered Spectre, but that's a good example actually. And to your point, if it's done right, then it's fine. Like there's there's no problem. Like the MCU is great. They've planned it out. They've thought it out. They've thought it through, and they have one person who's basically heading the whole thing. And in my mind, if you're going to do a shared universe, you need that kind of an approach in order to be successful otherwise it feels like you're just throwing things as they come at you almost it's almost like an impromptu universe it's like oh we have this movie what can come next you know whereas kevin feige and marvel had the foresight to be like we're gonna start here with iron man if it succeeds we'll move on to these next movies and if that succeeds we're gonna move on further right and this is something that we were talking about last night regarding uh, Alex Ross's comments about how the MCU was designed by two men. Now they're going to think, oh, we, we only hang out with each other all the time. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> our brand, so fucking deal with it. <laughs> we can have this conversation off air. <laughs> We're not talking about this further. <laughs> Alex Ross, go. He was talking about how the MC, or Marvel Comics was created by two men who, it was just those two guys, and they designed all the characters to exist in this one universe. Who is Alex Ross, by the way? He's a, a very famous comic book writer and artist. He did uh, Kingdom Come, which is a great future DC uh, book. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff. He's really good. He draws this very hyper-realistic 
comics that like looks like a Norman Rockwell painting, but he's great. But he had a pretty good insight about how Marvel was sort of there. Everyone was built to play in the same sandbox. Whereas then the point that you had made, and he was also talking about as well, is DC was really just about you know it's from a bygone era of just exhibiting superpowers. It was more about that sensational aspect than actually trying to create a cohesive universe. And 50 years later, it sort of has caught up with both both uh, companies in their respective cinematic universes. And I don't know when Alex Ross came out with all this stuff, but I, I mentioned to you, Mark Miller also came out recently and was talking about why the DCU has failed compared to the Marvel Universe. Mark Miller, in that article that I was reading, apparently he's a bigger DC fan than he is Marvel fan. Right. And that's because he... In his mind, the DC universe and the superheroes within the DC universe, they focus on the superheroes' powers. So they focus on the fact that, you know, Green Lantern, it doesn't matter who's behind the Green Lantern mask. The fact is that Green Lantern is this space cop who can warp things with his mind and form these gold or green shapes, right? Mm-hmm. Super- Superman is just a super powerful being. He's, he's Superman. Clark Kent is secondary. And Mark Miller was making the comparison that a lot of Marvel's characters, they focus on the secret identity aspect of the character. So, like, Peter Parker is part of the interest in Spider-Man. Knowing Peter Parker's setting and environment and then knowing Spider-Man. It's almost like two separate characters, even though it's one character. Well, they're more focused on grounding the characters as opposed <clears throat> to celebrating their more superheroic aspects. Correct. Yeah. So, I thought that was pretty interesting, too. And I, and I honestly think that it makes sense. And I think that's portrayed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe compared to the movies that we've seen with DC. Right. And for this conversation, not to set up rules, but like I didn't want to go over a sort of like the same conversation that not just us, but people have been having about, you know, what DC is doing wrong and how we and we're going to fix it. I would never be that arrogant to say I know how to fix a billion dollar franchise. No, I'm not trying to shut down the conversation, but just to move it forward. Because we've heard that we've had this talk before, not just us, but the whole geek uh, ecosystem has talked about this before. But the question I'm just asking now, does DC even need a shared universe? Like, why even go down that route? Maybe they should be thinking bigger. And I know you and I have talked about this before. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast. I might have talked about it in my my solo DC EU episode. But originally, our thought was, why doesn't DC just focus on team up movies? They have a lot of strong characters that would be kind of cool to see them interact. Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, Superman, do movies like this. But I think after, you know, we talked yesterday, I think you're right. I think they should just focus on doing solo movies. And if there happens to be a crossover, there happens to be a crossover. But a movie like Wonder Woman succeeded because it was focusing on that character and that movie as a whole had a point. Whereas Dawn of Justice or... Yeah, Superman, Batman flopped miserably. Right. I think for Wonder Woman, and we'll probably come back to that as a as a really good example. The point of that movie was also try to to try to invoke a feeling of wonder, like pun intended. Patty Jenkins was very much going for that feeling of watching the first Superman movie. In the first Superman movie, there's the scene when this helicopter crashes. It has nothing. It has nothing to do with the plot. There's a helicopter crash scene. Lois falls out. He catches her, and it's this huge moment where like the John Williams score plays. It's the first time you see him be Superman, and it just feels great. It gets you right in the feels. That was sort of what she was going for, exactly, especially with that No Man's Land sequence. I was watching, I just discovered a new channel, uh, this guy, Movie with Mikey's, and he was doing his review on Wonder Woman. He talked about how that that scene actually doesn't affect the plot, technically speaking, 
But that's not the point. The point is just to watch her be a hero and do good for the sake of doing good. And that's inspiring for audiences and invokes lots of really good emotions. I think you made this point yesterday and you might have been going this way. It's refreshing and it's nice to see a hero doing good just because they believe that they're doing good. Whereas Batman, Superman, a lot of these heroes, especially on the DC side, they have this tragic backstory that's pushing them forward into doing whatever they're doing. Whether it's, you know, Bruce and his parents dying, Superman and his parents dying, Flash and his parents dying. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this. <laughs> yes, no, I mean, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And actually, that was a point that that, that YouTuber was making as well. That she doesn't have a tragic backstory. She just has this sense of, uh, you know, a, co- a combination of nativity and actual, an actual goodness in her. Which propels her forward in, in our world. But that's, you know, but that's sort of like narrowing the point down. But just to expand it further... The thing that I've noticed, like the difference between the two films or two franchises, is that the Marvel movies all have a narrative thrust. And I will try not to use that phrase too much, but I can't make any promises. <laughs> and just know that in the background, every time he says it, I'm making a thrusting motion just to make him more uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's no matter where I look, I just, I can still see it in the, in, it burned into the back of my mind's eye. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> I think with the MCU is there's the co- cohesion between the movies, which lends itself to being a shared universe. That's like, but that's like a technical aspect. You're not going to see these movies just to watch Iron Man and Captain America stand in a room together. I mean, that's cool when you finally get there in Avengers, but that's only cool because you've had time with these characters, and the and that time that you have with those characters is spent very well. Like with Iron Man, I mean, really for Iron Man and for Thor, for example, they're solo movies. They're they're Phase One movies. It's about them learning lessons, but those are lessons that we've all been through in our own lives. I mean, it's very identifiable. It's, it's like the way my easy example is like Luke Skywalker. There's a lot about that character. Yes, it's a fantastical Star Wars space movie, but the way the character's portrayed and his motivations and his angst, oh no, that actually resonates on an emotional level. In Iron Man Thor, you see that, and that just gets carried through with all their films. There has to be that emotional component to justify the existence of that character or, or the existence of the movie. You know, and, and I think we've already established when we talk about the DC, DCEU, Wonder Woman is is outside that. We're, we're talking about the other films that just don't have a justification for their existence. We saw what the results are. The reason I keep asking, you know, do you even need a, need a shared universe is because I understand they're trying to push... You, when you have these properties, you need to push them out, make the money. I, I totally get that. I think that's fun aspect of Hollywood I like exploring and looking into. But they're getting a shitty return on their investment. Yeah. When fucking Thor Ragnarok, rightfully so, a great movie, outgrosses Justice League. Yeah. I mean, like, like you, you don't need to be, uh, you know, a longtime film critic to see the writing on the wall with that and yeah. why that's a problem for them. Can you go back to your point? Marvel, when they initially started with a lot of their solo movies, by the time they got to Avengers, they had built up so much goodwill with their fans and through the quality of their movies, even with Incredible Hulk, which is going to be a whole another episode for us. But they built up so much goodwill that when they finally got on screen, that was the big payoff. DC tried to just jump right into Justice League and it fell flat. We didn't care about Cyborg. We didn't care about Aquaman. We didn't care about the fucking boxes and Steppenwolf. Like there was no... The unity. The unity. There was no justification for those characters interacting with each other. And there had been no history between these characters. That's one of the reasons why Justice League fell so flat. 
to your point, one of your points that you made yesterday, whether it was Zack Snyder's release or Josh Whedon's release, it wasn't going to change the movie. It was still an empty movie that made a bunch of empty promises that never came to fruition regardless. And that, that actually, thank you for saying that, because I can finally use, use, this, use this example. In the White House, for example, you can fire any member of the, of, of the cabinet and move people in and out. It doesn't change the fundamental problem with, what's with, with the White House, the person <laughs> sitting in the Oval Office. It's like, yeah, you can, you can move all the things around. There's, the core issue is still there, rotting inside. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, but that, it all ties into, like everything we're talking about, I think ties into the critique or the observation that Alex Ross was making, that Mark, Mark Miller was making. For DC, the individual characters are fantastic unto themselves. They don't need team-ups or, or crossovers of that kind of stuff. I understand the desire and sort of the, like the arms race. They feel that they have to keep keep up to to, with Marvel. I mean, that's just not that's not just DC. That's everyone. Just because Marvel has a great return on their investment. The example I also wanted to talk about was like the Dark Knight trilogy. Dark Knight Rises and, and Dark Knight. Before you jump into Dark Knight, even even DC and Warner Brothers should see that you don't need to jump right into team up movies or ensemble movies. That's not what's going to make you the most money. Black Panther today just passed Titanic for the the third highest grossing movie of all time. And that is a solo movie. Black Panther by himself, origin story, made however much money, the third highest grossing movie of all time, not an ensemble. Granted, there was a lot of, again, goodwill built from Civil War because people loved that character. And on top of that, there were some, you know, current political relevant topics being discussed. But you don't. You didn't need the ensemble to make such a well, such a such a well received movie. They they didn't lean on or depend on uh, cameos from other Avengers to sell that movie. It sold itself. But Dark Knight trilogy. No, and, and but that, I mean, actually, you know, Black Panther can, ties into the, the the Dark Knight trilogy because like what those two films have in common is a sense of purpose. To me, what was so frustrating and baffling after the Dark Knight Rises came out was when they did Man of Steel, and because uh, Man of Steel, I'm like, okay, this kind of makes sense because at face value, it looked like a Christopher Nolan take on Superman or, or, or it basically looks like Superman Begins like okay I can see you're just trying to rep- replicate the success of Batman Begins I totally get that and then with the final movie though there's nothing in there that it didn't have really have anything in common with Batman Begins like Batman Begins sort of justifies like why a man would dress like a bat and punch up criminals like that's the core of the story is you know his Bruce Wayne's journey from scared child to Batman and just telling that singular story whereas in Man of Steel there's no point to him being superman his dad literally just shows him the costume and says yeah you should go do that you know what's the lesson that he learns in that movie and batman begins there's the you know why do we fall so we can pick ourselves back up and in the subsequent sequels there's lessons in each movie that bruce undergoes or he's changed by what does superman actually learn in man of steel and that's an easy example to pick on but i think that's what was so frustrating was you had a visionary filmmaker obviously i'm very biased towards christopher nolan you know, given you know, given free reign over a character to do what he wanted, and so maybe granted, you take that risk with Zack Snyder, but then you double down on that, which was so baffling. My thing that I was just, I'm, the point I'm trying to get to is the way forward is with these characters, and not just for DC, but I think Fox is facing a similar problem with their characters. We've seen so many of these stories, and we've become so trained and adept to them. You have to almost be wowing the audience every time. I know that's a very high task to call for, and once again, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> I'm not trying to make it sound super easy. But when you see a preview for one of these movies now, it has to have a hook behind it that would that piques your curiosity. 
I think that's where a lot of these films struggle. Whereas Marvel has found like a this become a self perpetuate self perpetuating motion mis- machine, where they have a different take on a tried and true for- tried and true formula each time. You know, one of the things that you mentioned yesterday too, when we were discussing, was you know, is Marvel even going to have a shared universe after Infinity War? Does it make sense for Marvel to do it? They've stayed ahead of the curve, as you so rightfully put, and they stay ahead of fans' expectations, and they keep trying to evolve and make sure they bring new audiences in. So does it even make sense that these future Marvel movies or the next 10 years of Marvel movies, is it even going to be a shared universe? Or is it going to be more standardized, you know, solo movies, maybe some team-up movies here and there, but not a ton of connectivity or no Infinity War end goal? Well, exactly. It's basically, maybe not do, do away with the whole concept, obviously. I don't think they'd throw the, the whole thing out, but de-emphasize the shared universe aspects and just take a break from it for a while and then offer something new. And then in ten, another 10 years, they'll re, do like a soft reboot, a reset to bring back maybe Iron Man or these characters and so on and so forth. I guess another thing that I wanted to bring up as well, like not just to always pick on DC, but I also want to talk about the Fox, like the state of Fox heroes. Uh, Deadpool 2 I think will be successful but that's already they're saying that's already tracking to not open quite as high as the first one uh, New Mutants was, was supposed to come out this year that got delayed to next year uh, for reshoots uh, same with Dark Phoenix that got delayed for next year for reshoots as well once again this is all pure speculation but I feel like Fox is sort of having that anxiety of saying like you know we don't have anything new to offer yeah and I think that's sort of like where these where a lot of these, these uh, properties find themselves in trouble this might be sidestepping the main point that you were trying to make, but is, do you think Deadpool is not trending to make as much as the first one because it's pretty much the same movie rehashed? No, I think it's exactly that. I think it's everything we're t- we've been talking about. Where how do you stay ahead of audi- audience expectations? I mean, I think it looks I think it looks really funny, and I'm excited to see it. But I'm not hyped for it as much as I would be. I'm hyped for the new Star Wars movies, obviously, because I'm You're bi- a biased fan. Yeah. Or. Avengers Infinity War, which actually feels like a huge event. Infinity War feels just beyond amazing, but I get what you're saying. And even Solo, I will say, I'm pretty excited for Solo. And I'm not that huge of a Star Wars fan, but it looks like it could be fun. And Deadpool, again, looks fun, but it looks more of the same. At least Solo looks like something new, something we haven't seen before. And it takes place within the Star Wars universe, which is always fun. Right, it's not. It doesn't suffer from the problems of like other spinoffs of franchises where it has to be the end of the world. We need to stop this before this thing blows up and everything dies. It looks more like a fun caper. With Solo, they found a niche in that movie. How to how to actually do it, and that's what they're going for instead of trying to like just make it the same repetitive uh, rebels versus empire story we've seen so many times. And that's also an example of like what we've been talking about. The other point I wanted to bring up is when I think of these movies and why I like them so much is because of the broad appeal, which I know some that's for some people that's a reason to look down upon them is the mass the mass appeal. I like the fact that my mom, who doesn't read comics, is going to see Infinity War and can follow everything that's going on, and she's invested in these characters. That to me is is the marks of like great storytelling and a rarity in filmmaking, especially on this scale. And so I feel like with these films, like whether it's Mar- whether it's the MCU or DC or any of these characters, that should be the baseline expectation of getting people's excitement up, regardless of whether they're hardcore fans like us or casual viewers. And I think that's also the problem. That's and that's what I mean. Like by narrative thrust is how do you how do you bridge the gap between capturing my attention 
than somebody who has no interest in these characters. I was using the Batman Begins example, or that whole trilogy, for example, because when I saw Batman Begins, I pitched it to friends who were dubious, saying, like, this is a superhero movie for people who don't like superheroes. Exactly. Like, Chris Nolan had a very distinct vision how he wanted to, to portray this character. And you may disagree with that vision, but I don't think you can disagree with the results. Yeah. And that's why, for, like, DC especially, to paraphrase Snoke, the raw, untapped potential, like with a Green Lantern character, if Duncan Jones, who did Source Code... Um, and Moon was given that character. What could he do with that character if he's given free reign? And the only expectation was it has to be something special. You know, don't don't limit yourself. And that's the thing with DC is their characters are so extravagant. You need to take chances and you need to go beyond the realm of what we're expecting and what we already know. Stay away from Earth. Aquaman is interesting because it's on Earth, but it's a whole nother world. We're seeing, we're gonna see Atlantis. He's from Atlantis, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. We're gonna see Atlantis, and uh, we're gonna see this whole underwater world that, you know, we haven't really seen, or we don't even know, even though we live on it all the time. We haven't really dived into it. God damn it. Uh, even though I heard there may not be a ton of ocean scenes in that one, but regardless. No, I me. Mean, that's a good example. That's actually something I wanted to talk about as well. Is I'm actually really looking forward to Aquaman, just at least to see what they do with it, because it has all the ingredients going for it that Wonder Woman had going for it, where you have a director who has a proven track record, cares about the character, wanted to do the movie, wasn't doing it for a paycheck, and I think can bring something really unique to it, and definitely knows how to wow an audience. But at the same time, there's the baggage of the DCEU. Yeah. So I don't know how he's going to thread the needle. So I, I hope he can. And, we'll see. <laughs> and maybe, you know, if Aquaman is good, we have Patty Jenkins with Wonder Woman, you know, maybe we get another good solo movie from the DC world, whether it's like a Flash movie or a Superman or Batman movie, whatever hero it may be, maybe that initiates this whole process of having a shared universe if they truly want one. If we have good some goodwill built up from Aquaman and from Wonder Woman... That'll make me more inclined to maybe see these characters again together in the future. But I'm actually going to push back against that. Okay. Because my whole thing is I'm still very adamant saying, like, I don't think they should do it at all. I'm actually going to be a full-on extremist about this. Okay. Where I just don't think they have the means to justify it. And I think, though, the differences on TV, for example, with Arrow, Supergirl, and Flash, they've done an excellent job. And there is that cohesion of... Because... Each character has a very distinct voice, and they've done the legwork to define those characters. And I actually wasn't proposing doing a shared universe. I'm saying once you have that goodwill built, then it gives you the option to choose whether or not you want to move forward with the shared universe. I do agree that I don't want to see a shared universe. At the very most, I want to see smaller team-ups. But at least once you have that goodwill built, then DC can decide, okay, are we going to move forward with a shared universe or not? But I want to see some good movies first, and then consider it 10 years down the line. But, you know, that 10-year mark, that's really important to me, because I think that's... That, I mean, the point I want to end on is, the other benchmark I have for these movies are, you know, in 10 years, will I want to watch them again? That's for most movies I see. Yeah. Especially as I get older, and the inevitability of death comes creeping closer to me. <laughs> <laughs> how, do I how do I want to spend my remaining years? Yeah. 
And so far, from for the most part, you know, for all the MCU movies, if they're on TV, I I'll watch them. They're they're movies I want to share with um, my kids someday. For people for people who haven't seen them, like, oh no, you just have to see it. It's really good. And there's still that excitement in it. Yeah, that's what's. I mean, I've seen Winter Soldier and Thor Ragnarok probably twenty or more times. That's you're you're disgusting. You're <laughs> disgusting. You're a disgusting man child. Take off, take off your man bit. Put down your your replica lightsaber and go outside, Matt. You pasty, <laughs> you pasty fuck. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> as, as fun as as fun as it is to abuse you, but to me that should be the benchmark for all these movies. And I think a lot of these other studios have a long way to go, but it's not impossible. Before we go, do you have any healthy distractions this week? This is not really comic book related or sci-fi or really anything related it uh i actually just finished a documentary on netflix called wild wild country it was about this you know cult that basically tried to develop their commune in oregon came from india really interesting and i was intrigued for and it's only six episodes each is like an hour it's the perfect length and now i'm done with it and i never have to revisit it again um so maybe marvel netflix Let's drop our episode countdown, 30-minute episodes, and I'll be a little bit more interested. Um, but the documentary was called Wild Wild Country, and it was actually very interesting. And I started, it's not really a recommendation, but I did not enjoy The Magicians, so. Oh, well, you're wrong, but okay. I know. I'm I, I haven't seen the show, but I read the books, and they're really good. The books are really good? Oh, yeah, the books are great. It's only okay. th- it's only three. Oh, okay. it's not It's not like a fucking... It's not like... Well, like, I had a friend, he recommended The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. Isn't it's it, a, like, 30 or 13? It's, or yeah, it's, like, 13. And he didn't, fin- like, he died before he could finish them. So there's still, like, the the last books were written by somebody. It's like, I you have your fucking mind? <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> so do you have a healthy distraction for the week, Jeremy? Nope. Later. <laughs> <laughs>